Listen to your favorite podcasts on any device with Pocket Casts. You can start an episode on your phone during your commute, pick up where you left off on your laptop at work, then finish at home on a smart speaker like Alexa without missing a beat. Download the free Pocket Casts app today for Android or iOS. Find us online at pocketcast.com or use the app on Alexa, Chromecast, Sonos, Apple Watch, and CarPlay. This is BBC Radio 5 Live. Hello and welcome to Flintoff Savage and the Ping Pong Guy. That's me, Matthew Side. More meaty topics. We're going to talk about what we've learned the most over the past 12 months. Then we're going to debate the psychology of losing and getting out of a losing streak. Don't forget you can use the hashtag FredSavSide to get in touch through the week. But before we get started, let's do what we always do, which is what we've been up to over the last week. We've been doing, Rob. Yeah. Did, what? Did, what have you been doing? Did, did, so like you've been playing cricket today. Yeah. Anyone's, <laughs> anyone's watching this online. you got your cricket jumper on. Yeah, you like wickets. I didn't take any wickets. I was a spin ball in my time and an opening batter. I was You're all right. Nice. Yeah. Jumper, that. Yeah. Like that, don't you? Yeah. Um, what have we been doing this week? Well, it's been quite a quiet week. It was international break. Yep. Therefore, a weekend off from my um, presenting skills. Um, <laughs> um, um, what have I done this week? Fighting to save my um, under 30 manager's yep. job, yep. which we'll Did come you? on to, which I, I saved it. Um, um, but other than that, mate, just, you know, dad's taxi, um, taking the kids round. Um, yeah, it's been a very quiet week. And do, you, nice do, you like it, do you like it when you've had an intense, oh. frenetic time just to have a week with the with So what do you do? But, but what, what, have you been do? what have you been doing during day? So what happened? So <laughs> I've been going to the gym because I've got a sore shoulder. I'm not, right, right. right. you got a sore shoulder? <laughs> yeah, can't. What about the rest of your body? <laughs> what about your legs? Mm. What about doing a bit of cardio? Because I'm not. I'm. I'm. I've never I'm seen gonna you. Put it, do, I'm going to put it out there, Rob. You do leg day. You're filling that cricket jumper at the minute, <laughs> aren't you? I need. I need to. You're like Rob Key. <laughs> but, but no, I'm not. But Jordan is. When you're in that mindset of going to the gym every day, and I've done it for three years, all of a sudden now I've become lazy, and it's when you stop the gym with a sore shoulder, and I have because it's just a build up of, of, of work. <laughs> So what's, I know, the I, what's the diagnosis on your shoulder? I what's find out head? today. Find out today. I'm seeing um, a guy, a, um, a, a physio who used to play for Lancashire. I think. Who? Um, I don't know his name. Stanley's put me in touch with All him. Right. So, um, but now I'm in the mindset where I'm getting up, and you know what? I just can't be bothered going to the gym <laughs> and this laziness. And what I, do you do? We just get mourned at. Really, <laughs> <laughs> just get mourned at. You know. See, I can't win with my wife. Oh, oh, go on. So, oh, no, on, I'll be honest with you. Listen, I love her. She's amazing. Yep. Um, but so my first weekend off, I'm sitting on the sofa. Yeah. I'm not allowed to sit on the sofa. I think I've spoken about it before. I'm not allowed to sit. Why are you on the sofa? I, I get on the sofa with the dogs. I put the... Because because your ergo's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but I put the blanket over me, yeah, because I like I like a bit um, the house to be a bit cold. I don't turn the heating on. Put the blanket over me. Watching... The TV, watching all the sport on a Saturday. Yep. I watched the rugby. Yeah. I watched um, football. I watched the the Nations League, and I get moaned out for sitting on the sofa. Why? No idea. Because I've been well, working you, hard. It makes an you can tell by my voice. Yeah, I've been working hard. I'm sitting on the sofa. My wife will moan at me for why you sit on the sofa. Well, because it's my house, and because <laughs> because I wouldn't sit on the sofa, yeah. and I would have watched sport on the TV. You know, I, taking the kids to football, yeah. picking the kids up, managing in the thirteen side. 
I've had a weekend off. Are you all right, Rob? Are you in a bit of a mood? <laughs> no, I am. You're in I, a get, mood? Well, I was in a mood. Last, people said on the on on Twitter I was in a mood last week. We'll be saying it again this week. Hang on, but how can I be in a mood when you two constantly hammer me every single week in this podcast? <laughs> oh, I, no, I, well, I right. fight back and I get hammered on Twitter. I don't think people like me. Like, no, they do. They do. Your wife don't, but everybody else does. <laughs> so, that's so, my so, week. so you sit there watching sport all day and yeah. you wonder why she's moaning at Hang on. What? Well, well, why wouldn't I? Oh, she might because... want to watch some. She might want to watch old episodes of oh. Dynasty or Dallas. Well, go in another room. <laughs> We're supposed to be together. Yeah, but we don't like watching the same stuff. I like watching sport because it's research. Well, what does she like watching? Um, Housewives of Cheshire and all this. Um... Oh, your mates them anyway. Why are you watching them? You knock around <laughs> them anyway. Oh yeah. Why? Why? Oh, yeah, why do you want to watch yeah, your mates yeah. on telly? Oh yeah, yeah. But do yeah. You... I have that with my wife. We have very different interests in TV. She loves Corey. I've mentioned that on yeah. the podcast. I watched a bit of Corey this week. Did you? Yeah. Is, it Gail, Platt, is, is Gail Platt still in it? Gail Platt's still in it. Steve McDonald were getting married this week. Jim, Jim's he? back. Tracy punched him at the wedding. No. no right, but Jim's back, off. isn't he? Uh, Jim McDonald, so he is. So Charlie, Charlie Lawson in, in my local village had a farm shop. It's not there anymore. Right. He had a farm shop because he's gone back in Coronation Street. But oh. it was bizarre. Bizarre. I used to drive through the village I live in, and there would be um, Charlie, Jim McDonald, yeah. outside his shop doing a barbecue, like for burgers and everything. No way. Yeah, honestly, wow. bizarre. But you don't have that with your, your wife wants to watch something different. No, she, she, she's not a big telly watcher, isn't she? No, so she don't understand. She, to be honest with you, she don't understand why I watch telly. Sometimes, because I watch Holt, to be fair. But then, we do watch box sets yeah. together. Oh, yeah. We watch things together. Yeah. What? What's the latest That's what one? we've started doing. Yeah. We, well, we're me and Cathy got massively got into a programme. It started 20 years ago, but I didn't watch it at all. They've had some recent series set in Manchester, Cold Feet. Well, you've just come on to Cold Feet? Just gone into it. I mean, eh? For the first time. Wow, cut an edge. Said, cut an edge. <laughs> she said, just give it a go. Give it a go. Beautiful relationships. <laughs> There's kind of a poignant feet. It's honestly, Rob. I've got to tell you, James Nesbit. Yeah, James Nesbit. Never seen it. We we watched them. Um, we tried that Stranger Things. Oh, no, <laughs> where no. where? Not the bedroom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stranger Things. Yeah. Couldn't really get into it. Everyone's banging on about it. Watch the Bodyguard. Yeah, like, we watched that. I, do you know what? Mm. I thought it was all right at best. Yeah, yeah. All right at best. Can I recommend one? He kept saying. All right, there, ma'am, ma'am. If he says ma'am again, I'm switching over. He did it, and I want to answer. Can I recommend over. one? Designated Survivor. I've seen it. Kiefer Sutherland. Oh, don't tell me what happens. Yeah. Don't tell me what happens. His wife gets killed. Oh. <laughs> she gets shot. You, you don't see it coming. She's not in second series. <laughs> it just ruined it. <laughs> she came to watch you know his wife. I'm on, that. Uh, yeah. She came to watch us at League of Their Own. Did she? She came to watch. I thought I recognised you. Yes, yeah, she's famous. What's her name? Um, I don't know. President's wife. Uh, first lady. I'm three seat. I'm three in, and I watch Shooter. Yeah, that's rubbish. That. That's rubbish. So that's from Lee Swagger. That's rubbish. I loved it. Oh my word! I Seriously, love, yes. it's framed. Yeah. Gets off in first series. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're watching another one at the minute. Killing Eve. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. Again, it, it's it's all right. It, it, it's all right. But, the thing about the bodyguard, and I watched one with James Nesbitt where his child gets abducted, and all of them are quite dark and gloomy and gritty and a bit depressing. That's why I've really fallen in love with Cold Feet. It's uplifted. Yeah. You see people happy. They laugh at each other. It's not... Con- I mean, I thought the bodyguard, the violence of it, when she or... No, her driver gets shot. Yeah. Like, I didn't mind that. Door. You're all right with it. Yeah, it was a bit far-fetched, though, wasn't it? I've not seen it. Not don't, seen it. Don't bother, Rob. What have you, so what have you done this week? 
You've had a busy. Can I throw my one in? Yeah, for, of course. Fred, I want to go yeah, Fred yeah. Lark because I know right. he's had a massive week. Right. He hasn't told us yet, has he? No. And he's been smiling. There's been I'm a little not, smile on his much. face. Um, so I, yeah, I haven't done that much to be honest. I had three speeches: one oh, in God. one in London, one in um, Florence, one in Edinburgh. But then I'm away. I'm away right. in Florence. I get an email from Nico Rosberg, the Formula One driver. Well, you're he's, not upset him, have you? No. <laughs> <laughs> And he, you know, he retired from F1 after he won the world yep. championships. And he said he's got this YouTube channel. He started doing interviews with people that he wants to talk to and wants to meet. And he said he was in London on Thursday. Whose number did you? <laughs> whose number did he want you to get? <laughs> and he said, "Would you like to look up I'm in London?" So I flew back from Edinburgh on Thursday afternoon. Went to Hammersmith. Went to a studio. And me and Nico, and he interviewed me for about an hour and a half. And I tell you, it's fascinating. He's very interested in the psychology of sport, performing under pressure. And we went into all of that, sort of deconstructed what it's like to be an F1 driver. I talked to him a bit about table tennis. Don't <laughs> laugh. He was into take quite likes table tennis. But the thing that fascinated me, Fred, was, Rob, you know, like when he retired, I thought to myself, he's going to massively regret that decision. He wins the world championships. Two days later, he said, that's it. Yeah. I'm going to start a new life. And I said to myself at the time, he's going to think in three months' time, I've lost the buzz, I've lost the edge, I've lost the, the euphoria of being an F1 driver and having that level of global attention. So I pressed him on it. Best thing I've ever done. Yeah, he's lying. Well, do you think so, though? He sounded sounded credible, Fred, I've got to tell you. And he said the thing that makes him happy every day is knowing that he won that championship and he beat Lewis Hamilton, his great rival since he was young. And he said that has sustained him, not just for months, but for for years. Do you think Lewis Lewis will think he would love him to race to beat him? Well, Lewis did beat him. Lewis yeah, but beat him, the last, but not the last year. They no, raced. the last. Well, then he walked away. I think Hamilton. You know, the competitiveness between them was interesting. You know, whenever I brought Hamilton into the conversation, you know, without wanting to give too much away, you could see him sort of. There's still an element of an edge between the two. So it's a very intense rivalry. But he was a genuinely interesting person. I've got to. What do you think he's saying about you to his mates? <laughs> uh, do you think it, it'll ever get shown? Was it a slow, <laughs> was it a slow <laughs> week on YouTube? <laughs> uh, one of them. We'll do ten. We might do six. Coming up, Matthew Said. How many? How, 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 many, how many views that? Okay, but this will tell you so. That's what my wife said when 40, I got home. Forty-eight views. That's what my wife said. Forty-five views. Forty Matthew. Three Kathy. And a, a couple of people who press the wrong button. <laughs> wow. That's what my wife said that night. Said, who else is it? Who else is interviewed? Hey, who else uh, is interviewed? He did. Uh, I don't, do you know? I'm honestly the fishing world champion. <laughs> <laughs> Nicole Rosberg. Oh, come on, Matthew, you get a grip. <laughs> okay, so that's that's right. Then on what else happened? Saturday, yeah, spent a bit of time with the kids, took them to the green, played a bit of football. Fred, come on. Did you, you watch the been... football? Did you watch the football, England? I yes I did. Uh, did you yeah. watch what did you now, think? Nil nil behind closed doors. Like a non league yeah. game, wasn't it? Well, yeah, because no doors. crowd, yeah. Well yeah. just changed that I went yeah. to watch Staley Bridge South Shields the other week. Yeah. At Staley Bridge with like fifty people in. It was no different to watching England with no fans. It's bizarre, isn't it? Wasn't it bad? It's bizarre. No fans in the ground. I've never, I've never done well, it. Do you know what? Now they know what it's like to be a county cricketer. 
having a crowd. chemistry, doesn't it? Having yeah. a crowd had, had such an element. Yeah, yeah. Does. And I knew what it was like playing in front of no one at cricket was hard. So the football was. Yeah. But it was dreadful. Can I ask yeah. you, Fred? You, you know, you, we, we talked a little bit about when you're on the receiving end of a hostile crowd and how that affects you. And you yeah. were saying you should I don't mind that. that. Yeah. Have you ever. What's the, the most surreal, the weirdest, where you thought, well, you know, because you can see from the way that the England players were playing, they thought this was really bizarre, not having a crowd. The commentators as well, Martin Tyler, normally he, you can use the crowd, yeah. can't you, to inject a bit of additional passion. He was he sounded odd. But have you ever had a really bizarre feel when you've been on, on the field of play? I once played in the... The reason I ask, I once played... Was you asking me a question? Carry on, Matthew, what are we doing? So we played a, ga- we played a game in, in the Czech Republic. You did Republic. this to Nicole Rosberg when he asked you... <laughs> Go on. Played a game of the Czech Republic, table tennis. Don't tell me, nobody came. Hardly anyone was there. Oh, surprise. It was, it was like this tiny room, and there was only like um, standalone seating around the perimeter of the court. So there's probably 80 people in there. Hammered. Absolutely hammered. It was next to this. Bar. You're hammered. No, they were drunk. Like one of my matches. <laughs> they, they were. They were drunk. The, the audience. There, so there's a bar next door, and there's a group of Czech guys who were absolutely out of their minds. And I've never. You have to turn your mobile phones off, obviously, when there's a table tennis match. It's like snooker. It's often quite quiet during the point. Somebody's mobile phone went off, and I turned around and glared at this guy, and the bloke sitting next to him went, business is business. Really? <laughs> yeah, and they were just drunk, and it, it was really weird. Can I ask you a question with that, right? Yeah. So, sport played in silence. Why is snooker and table tennis then played in silence? And golf. Golf. And why? Golf, golf, Robbie. Why? Golf, do you know Tell the me why? them golfers? And, and you know, somebody, just, oh. somebody shuffles in the crowd and yeah. the golfers Tell come in. Tell me why. Someone rustles a crisp packet and yeah. they turn him around as so, if someone shot yeah. the dog. So, yeah. It's pathetic. No this, wonder. Yeah. This is quite a good yeah. debate. It's there, a rev it up a bit. Yeah, and so, then penalty shootout. Happy Gilmore. screaming at you. That's my point. So penalty shootout. So why, Matthew, from a psychological point of view, do we have some sports played in silence? It's all to do with the sub culture these golfers demand silence you have people holding up lollipops saying don't well not lollipops you know signs yeah but wait I was already anticipating yeah, getting hammered by Fred for that but why is it why is it it gets into their the mind precious. that they deserve they deserve silence and in football we deserve precious. silence that that's part of what it means to play Pathetic. golf it is I agree with you Fred that the level of at, at, at the Masters in Augusta I remember I was so nervous about in fact you're not even allowed to take your phone I think you're not no. allowed to take your phone onto the course so in cricket then why do you get annoyed if somebody walks behind you balling well, out that's a bit different I, I never did to be honest yeah, but, but you play why with some so you, you, hey, you're, looking, you're looking at the side screen yeah so you're looking where the ball's coming from so you're meant to be fixed on the ball so, oh, some, so someone walks past and puts true. you off that's true but for me if someone walks past and puts you off you're not really watching the ball but even some of the best players, like some people moving yeah. miles away, and they they pull away on that. But I get that's ninety man hour ball. And by, by the that. way, it, when I, you know you played cricket, yeah, I didn't know you were a spin bowler. But if you played cricket and it's coming out of yeah, I get some, that. Is that you, you it's that, the but... same in table tennis, by the way. White ball. If there's a white backdrop, so if somebody, for example, is wearing a white shirt in the crowd, you can ask them to move. Because if somebody hits it out of that white, you'd lose it completely. You could get your head smashed in in cricket. You could. Yeah. But having said that. Because you've got the sight screen, which the Randy things the sight screens, the white so you can see the ball. Yeah. I once batted a full over and they'd not changed it. They had this Vodafone still on there. Really? I didn't really? notice. And it, that's amazing. Yeah. So, Matthew's a snooker. Why, out, like. why is it? <laughs> <laughs> so, why? I got why, balls. <laughs> so, just run, run that by me again. Why is some sport played in silence? Why? So, so my, my take on it is that it's part of the history of the sport players start to expect it and then when their expectation is violated they get very angry about it or they feel that their concentration but 
Fred's right. You know, in golf, if noise was part and parcel of the sport, they would have to put up with it, and it would become part of what that it meant used to, to be, be a played in This is what I said. That's a trailblazer. That yeah, they, they are. That's why the sport's gone from Dead right. where yeah. it is to where it is now because they let them get involved. Tell you another thing that is very imagine different snooker, in golf. If you pull, if you if you're pulling your cue back, and the crowd are going, "Oh, oh yeah, 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 it would." But you and talk it, about people drinking, watching table tennis. Yeah. What about the darts? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Everyone's I know. lashed. I know. Yeah. We went. Did we? Did we all go to the darts? Were you there with us? That that. Oh, we went down. You to Ali do Pally. something about me. <laughs> no, 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 we no. went to Ali Pally, didn't we? Bags at final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's brilliant. I think yeah. the, you're right, Fred. Yeah. They they were trailblazers in that regard. And the other thing in golf that amazed me is you go to a football game and you got you know fans on either side, and if one of the players from one side goes to take a throw in, you can see them making obscene gestures and absolutely mm. going adults, after this please. player. Yeah, adults. Adults. You go to the golf and you have players. And they and their fans, and then you have another player coming up, and they stand up and they clap and they touch their cap and all the rest of it. And there's a level of polite decorum in golf that is completely different to any other sport I have ever watched. Do you, do you think that's a, a positive or a negative? No, they need to rev it up a bit. Bit rev of Happy up. Gilmore, yeah, yeah. Happy Gilmore, the Ryder, cup, the Ryder cup atmosphere. No, then you have a bit more of an edge, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. So go on, Fred. What happened this so week? Come on. And yeah. then Thursday night, yep. I went out. Oh. I, was, I was in London, and I went to the Attitude Awards. I seen you. Oh, what the Attitude, uh, Attitude, what, what Attitude magazine? The Game yeah. magazine. Yeah, that's the Attitude right. Awards. Yeah. So yeah. I went there. What a night that was. Was it good? It was brilliant. I had to do that red carpet thing, which I'm not. I'm not doing. And the thing about red carpets is they're very they're quite contrived, aren't they? Yeah. So you get there and you queue up on the. Red Hang on. Ca- well, can you say stop you there? Why did you say yeah? <laughs> you ever been on one, Yeah, but I've seen them. I've You've seen, seen them. them. You, you get there's like, there's like a queue. There's a queue for the red carpet. So I'm there, and then Rachel you, looked lovely, by the way. Yeah, she looked lovely. Oh, I, I had my new Jackamore suit on. Oh, did you? Ooh. Blue, did you? blue, blue. Was it out of the flint tuxedo? Yeah, oh, that's gonna man. fly out when you see the pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you stand there, and the girl said to me, "Said Are you happy doing photographs? Do you want to do interviews?" I said, "Well, I'll be honest with you, looking." When you say there's a queue for the red card, sort of celebrities get there. Yeah, they then... queue up. Wow. So they said, well, do you want to do it? I said, well. You queued. I, I was doing the you queue. Queued. She said, do you want to do interviews? I said, I'll be honest with you. I'm looking around. There's probably a few people desperately more wanting to do an interview <laughs> than I do. So she said, yeah, you're probably right. But the red carpet's a funny thing now because you used to know who was on it. Yeah. Now, because I'm not really up on your programs like Love Island. Elsewise the Cheshire. You've not got a clue. Yeah. You don't know yeah. who they are. So I went down, I, I give like my smouldering look. I give like a, <laughs> a slightly amused look. I've got three and a vacant one. And then I did one interview. And it was it was quite interesting, actually. You do, you do the interview and they asked about um, sport and people who are gay within sport. And they asked about, so it's this football. Yeah, yeah. It's saying about a football coming out. And it got me thinking. I said, well, it's, it is a personal. It's personal, isn't it? If, yeah. if somebody wants yeah. to, then yep. fine. But more importantly, I think culture yep. of the sport or culture of anything should allow people to be whatever they want to be. I agree. So we, we, we did that. We went down and then went into the function. It was it was a good function, actually. It was all right. I've seen on Instagram. Yeah, Ricky Den, Martin. Jenny, Jenny VB on Insta. Yeah, Ricky Martin got an award. Did he? He sport well. Ricky Martin. Unbelievable. You know, like Ricky Martin, Vida Walker. Yeah. He was on the, he was at the Royal Wedding. Yeah, but he... he Eugenie, wasn't he? He got an was award. He? I'm sure he was. And you your got, pal was there, Jack White told Jamie Redknapp. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know him. Oh, don't you? Well, they got invited to the Royal Wedding. Yeah. Wow. Jack was there. Yeah, but them two get where water can't. Uh. So, <laughs> yeah, so he got, Whoopi Goldberg was there. Wow. Whoopi Goldberg presented an award to George Tataki 
from Star Star Trek. Uh-huh. You know the uh-huh. Chinese fellow Star yeah, Trek. Yeah, yeah. He got an award. Wow. Little Mix, they got an award. Uh, Did you? No. <laughs> Je- Jess Jess Glynn. Yeah. She sang. She sang at the NFL brilliant. yesterday, Wembley. Yeah. But biggest biggest thing at night was for me. One of the best things that's happened to me in a long, long time. Best thing that's happened in a long, long time. So awards, it's a brilliant night. You know, you go to these awards things and everyone's pestering, everyone's mithering. Everyone just gets on with it and everyone has a good time, has a laugh. Really enjoyed it. And then the entertainment afterwards, mm-hmm. Boy George. Was it Boy hey! George? Boy George is up there giving it his singing. He's like, come, 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 come. So I'm there. I'm just next to my table, just moving around a little bit. I'm singing along. <laughs> he's looked at me and smiled, and he's gone, Eleven could be easy if you close the like my dreams. Flinch off! No Red, way. golden, green. <laughs> oh, I, got, I, got, I got name-checked by Boy George <laughs> and he come a chameleon. I tell you what, my face, and then the missus had a big beam on her face, Katie, <laughs> Who, my agent yeah. Katie, yeah. she's like, she's only small, but she jumped up about 10 foot in the air and punched the air. It's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It it like the best thing that's happened. Did Rachel enjoy it? It was, a, it was a really good night, yeah. actually. Rachel enjoyed it? Yeah, we all enjoyed it. It's brilliant live, isn't he, Boy George? I've heard him on absolutely. Yeah. Do you know what I liked about the awards? Yeah. Like, you, you look around the room, and it's, it's one of them few environments that you go into where any, you can just be yourself. Yeah. You know, there's all sorts of people from different worlds. Yeah. Different sexualities, different yeah. races. Yeah. You've got people in drag. You've got, but everyone just felt yeah. comfortable being themselves. And I, 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 do you know what? I, yeah. I don't even go out now, Rob. You know that. Yeah, yeah. And I don't go to these functions. But I had an unbelievable night. It was brilliant. Do you know you were saying a bit earlier that any culture should permit people to be who they want to be without any judgment? Yeah. I still don't think we're in that place, do you, Robbie, in football? There must no. be many people who are in the closet. It, but you look at it, you, but it's, it's not even that. You look at the way the world's come on towards mental health yeah. in all these like probably minority groups, yep. and we've got better and better. But then you hear people talking about some of the atrocities towards gay people yeah, around yeah, the world, yeah. whether it be in Russia, Russia. or someplace. It's, it's, it's an absolute disgrace. And then you get these guys coming up and talking about it, and... Yep. You've got no idea. Yeah. You've no idea. But brilliant. Yeah, like, by the way, it's attitude management. Attitude, isn't it? yeah. That's the one that Beckham put. So he was asked, I'm talking about Beckham again, but he was asked to pose for the front cover of Attitude magazine. This is about 20 years ago. And I think his agent said it's a big risk because at that time we hadn't got to the position now yeah. where it's, and he did it. And I think that had a, a good impact on. Well, are, you, are you touting for a front cover of Attitude <laughs> magazine? <laughs> what do you think? Uh, well, well, you're probably three years away. <laughs> hey, Rob, you're six months away. As well. <laughs> you're packing that jumper. But one of the things that I, I do like is... Where was it, by the way? It was that... at the Roundhouse. Yeah, I, right. I remember a few years ago, I had a night out with my mate Donald, and we went to uh, Madame Jojo's in Soho. It's a tranny shack night. Yeah. And it's a transvestite night. And it's one of the finest nights I've ever had in my <laughs> life. I just, it's brilliant. Yeah. And subsequently, since then, I've performed drag twice. Yeah, I've yeah, yeah, yeah. performed yeah. drag in Stonewall in yeah. Sydney. Yeah. Um, I've also Medica. in Lips in New York. Yeah. And for me, the one thing about that was, is it's quite liberating to do it. Yeah. It, it was fun. But also, when you talk about people being allowed to be, Whoever or whatever they want to be, that epitomizes it. Yes. And I think it, I think it's brilliant. That's brilliant. Should we do one? Yeah. Okay, guys. So this is Robbie's topic. Topic number one. We're going to discuss quite a deep topic this. What we have learned about ourselves, about life, about sport over the last twelve months. Roberto, we've chatted about this a bit on the phone already. 
think it's an interesting one. Do you want to kick it off? One thing you haven't learned is you don't suit longer. Why have you done You've come with an attitude once again, oh, just yeah. to pick on Robbie. Have a go at Matthew then. <laughs> yeah. So, what have I learned in the year? Yeah. And we're not going back to grassroots football because we've done the top, we've done academies, but as my first managerial job yep. at under 13 level. <laughs> but, why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? It's a job. What? <laughs> I reckon we should rename this podcast what? The Trials and Tribulations of Edgerton Under-13s with Robbie Savage. How many players you lost this week? How many rounds you had? Hey, how many minutes has some kid played? How many complaints? How many emails? Come on. What have you learned? Oh, it's hard. It's hard, isn't it? Managing football. Hey? Come on. Come on. Tell us right. how hard it is. He's like, so tell much, us how hard it is. He's put so much thought into this, Tom. He's got to And ultimately, ultimately, it's going to end up being, it's hard. Can I speak to you, Dan? Stop laughing. No, because I know how much oh, you, you meant. No. <laughs> so listen. Yeah. So what have you learned in the last year? So, I've learned a lot about myself in terms of I want to be a presenter. I, I've learned that in an industry where... Listen, Matthew. In an industry where... Oh, don't where, get nervous now, Rob. Come in on. In an industry where I think you have to fight for yourself, um, I think there's a lot of backstabbing. Yep. I think there's a lot of people who'd like to take your job behind the scenes. I think, you know, in every walk of life, that when, when you're doing well, successful, people want to knock you down. You have to fight your corner every single day. And I've learned a lot in terms of the media industry in a year because yeah. when you start presenting, yeah. it's different, you know, perspectives. And I've learned a lot that to get a presenting job is hard, yeah. but then to keep it with, you know, is is going to be even harder. Mm. So that's why I've learned that a lot of people out there want to see you fail. Yeah. I think, um, which is not nice. Um, you you get to know who your friends are. You, you thought you think you've got friends who are aunts. Um, I'd rather people be honest to your face. Mm-hmm. Um. Um, and it's it's I've learned a lot in terms of yeah. in a year of when you start making a move into something you want to do that there's a lot of people who who can you know be nasty to you behind your back. Do you know what on that, Rob? I know what you mean. It, it's a it was a new departure for you, and so you put your head above the parapet. People are knocking you, but I, I t- what, I, look, I don't want to preempt what you're going to say. But one of the things that I've learned from observing you two. This is one of the things I've learned over the last 12 months. As I look at your timeline, when we first started doing the pod, there was a lot of negativity. But you seem to be able to not allow it to affect you. It, it never affects your mood in here. You come in positive, optimistic. Do you think that uh, – are you sort of saying that the negativity this time has been a bit more shrill than you had expected? Shrill, what does that mean? You know, a bit more, uh, a bit more edgy. Are you laughing? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. But you, just... you see, he does cope with it well, doesn't he? The negativity, brilliantly. I, you don't get it now, do you? Yeah, hardly. Not yeah, as... I do yeah. But you work in football. I have, do you yeah. know what I've noticed on this podcast? Uh, it's it's the bizarrest thing. I don't really know about football, and I think people are seeing that as well. <laughs> but as soon as you mention football, the word football, people's attitude changes. Yeah. After that, that Mourinho thing last week. You know, you got these. You got United fans. You got people with opinions. It's football, Rob. I don't think it's you. Yeah. yeah. All right, you've got a bit to do with it. <laughs> but it's it's football. As soon as you mention foot, the word football and talk about it, everyone's got an opinion. Yeah. Everyone knows better. Yeah. Everyone knows what you should be doing. It's polarized. And it's but, but you it's, know what? It's a hash. The, yeah. the one thing that 
is nice. And the, all the listen, there was one comment last week about this podcast, which was a negative for the first time. A, a, a guy said, um, it's he listened to the first 20 minutes last week and said it was shouting lads in a room in a pub. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing in, in, a, in a way that. He hadn't listened to the previous ones, so we had a new listener last week for the first time, and he turned off after twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah. Well, it well, wasn't him. Who was he walking back? And I retweeted it, and then you know he had about he was then responding to people, give it a go, give it a try. But I think it's it's it, it was constructive criticism yeah, in a was. way because yeah. he listened to the first twenty minutes, and listen, we have fun. He does. He does, didn't know the dynamic between yeah. the three of us. So um, you can always listen to Tough as and Vaughn. Yeah. <laughs> Get him to sleep at night. But, but, but everywhere I go. Or tail enders. Or Gary Neville. Yeah. Put you out there. There's something for everyone. But with the podcast, I was in the hairdressers um, and a guy was next to me. Said, he was in the hairdressers, yeah. really? Yeah, we took, I took my boys. How many podcasts did you listen to while you were in hairdressers? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But people love this podcast. Yeah. But going back to what I've learned in terms of as a manager. Yeah. Um, Grassroots football is. I would rather manage a um, an adult side yeah. with big egos, with um, with everything that comes with it. Under thirteen football, what I've learned, and and you does, th- does this mean you're gonna have a push into management, Rob? I don't know. Is this a scoop? I don't know. Are you I gonna really have a go know. at management, uh, Joe? One day I'd like to. Yes, I think you should. I'm gonna do my badges. I've got, oh, yeah. I've got my. How long did they take? So I'd, I'd have to do my B. I've, I've started my B. I'd have to finish my B. It would take six months to a year and then yeah. go on to my A. But I, I can do that because it's made me think, Fred, when we done the grassroots topic last time, it was about my aim was developing young players, getting an environment where they come and enjoy it, have fun. And you said it's all about winning. Mm. And do you know what? What I've learned in the last year, and people might take this the wrong way, when you get to a certain age, and I think under 13 football, the kids are in second second year big school. Yeah, I believe what I've seen in the last year, when we lose, the kids are so upset, so down. When we win, the kids are on a, such a high as I am. People might have a go at me for saying it's, not, it's about developing kids, giving them the game time. Yesterday, we went to the top of the league, Altrick, and beat us in the first game of season 4-2. After losing players in the week, I took 13 boys, and each and every single one of those boys, irrespective if they played 20 minutes, 35 minutes, 70 minutes, we won the game 4-1 against top of the league. Mm-hmm. And the attitude, the celebrations, the camaraderie, the togetherness by winning yeah. created more than a kid playing for 25, 30, 70 minutes yeah. who's, who is in terms of a kid that needs more developing. Yeah. yeah, Not as good as the others. Not as good as the others. The joy they had yesterday yeah. from winning, playing less minutes than possibly in a losing game playing 70 minutes was incredible to see. So for me, I've learned, Fred, off, off him, that when you get to an age, if you can make the kids happy, if you can create a fun environment, winning is, for me, not the be-all and end-all, but it does create such fun. And the, the smiles on those kids' faces, the parents, the parents. I've not, this week, I've not had an email saying, can my son play there? Can and you've you still got your job, haven't you? And I've st- Do you know what? I was... I was going to quit. Do you know what, Fred? I was going to... It was getting you down. It was getting you down, down, wasn't it? Matthew, I used to lose in the Premier League and I didn't speak to my wife for a couple of days. Last week, we lost the game, right? And I was in such a mood, I didn't speak for two days. I I took it as if I was managing... uh, And you can laugh here. It's kids kids football. But honestly, because if I'm involved in something, I give 100%, Mm -hmm. right? And I've got 
13 to 16 boys on every every Sunday. And I, I'm responsible for those boys, yeah? Whether they go to school, they can have a go at their mates for winning. Yeah, that some are in the same class as other kids. Yeah? So I'm creating an environment for them where they want to win. And it's last week, my phone didn't stop. Emails, what's going on? Um, my son do, doesn't want to play there. So I, I was going to quit. I was going to quit. But if I'd have quit, the team might have folded. The team might have folded. So, so, so in all the stuff you've had to, to put up with, parents wanting their kids to be in the team and unhappy if you've played them in the position, what have you learned about yourself, about how to motivate the, people, yeah, how, how yeah. to engage, how to inspire, so, how to pick kids up when they're feeling yeah. really low? What, what, what's your journey as a, as a coach? So what I've learned about myself as a coach is I was – so I created a WhatsApp group. Mm-hmm. And what I like to do – The bad thing. I know. Listen, so so I thought, right, what I would do is when I started this, I'd go on a journey with the parents. And after the game, I would input off parents mm-hmm. because I think knowledge is key. So if you can have – but what I didn't realise is everybody's got different names. Everybody's kids have different abilities. Yeah, so little Johnny mm-hmm. – is on a different level to little Freddie or whatever, do you know what I mean? So parents will have different objectives for their son, won't they? So I thought I'd create a WhatsApp group to involve all the parents, which was a, which was the wrong thing to do mm-hmm. because win, lose or draw is different things. So knowledge isn't key with parents who, when they're emotional, it's the worst thing you can do. Yep. So I've learned that. But what I've learned myself is um, I've got to realise that Everybody's opinion counts, but I've got to believe in my knowledge, in my ability, in my self to get the best out of those kids, irrespective of what the parents think. And what I was trying to do, I was trying to try and make the parents happy first in kids' football yeah, yeah. before the children. Yeah. So what I've done now is I've thought, right, tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it my way, and I'm going to be honest with everybody mm-hmm. and say, listen, if you don't like it, there's other clubs you can go to. I was, I, and now I'm going to be, not ruthless is the wrong word, but I want to be fair, I want to be honest with myself because if I'm going to fail, even under 13 football, I'm going to fail doing it my way. And if that means people leave, if that means people go somewhere else, if that means people are not unhappy, but I believe I know what's right for my side. So if I'm going to fail, if I was failing before, yeah. I'd have failed on other people's terms. Yep. Now, if I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail. Can't be a democracy, can it? If you're the boss, you're the boss you've, you've got to you're back your own judgment. Yeah. But I think you mentioned that with kids football or kids sport or whatever, a happy dressing room is a winning dressing room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've realised that. And what happens is with any sport is sport is about winning and losing. There's other things that go on along the way. People progress and it can change people's lives and acceptance and various things. That's all well and good. Mm-hmm. But you find your level. Yeah. That's why they have A teams, B teams, C teams, D teams, even all the way down. And I've coached kids and I've taken under 13 team who've they've been successful. They've been a, a young side. I've got some good players. But it's all about winning. So yesterday, so in sport, so it's all about winning, right? So yesterday, for instance, and I don't care who you are, the team we played, I believe, thought they had to turn up and win. You know, their, their manager's great, by the way. I'd have gotten really well with him. Sensible guy. Yep. You know, has done it for longer than me. But you talk about winning. So the linesman, the linesman who's a volunteer, and You've got to give a shout out to all people in yeah, yeah. football who volunteer because mm. we're all volunteers. Mm-hmm. Irrespective if you play Premier League football, if you, if you, if you do other stuff, it's irrelevant. You're a volunteer, so people should look at you as a volunteer. And my hat goes off to him. Yesterday, rain, wind, yeah. mud, 
everybody there standing there pairing. So everybody, massive respect. But yesterday, you talk about winning. So as a linesman, it's ins and outs. So if the ball goes out for a throw-in, ins and outs, yeah? That's all you do. But you can see winning mentality, winning culture. The linesman, one of my boys made a run, great run onside. He was through, put his flag up, yeah, for offside because that moment was instinctively, yeah. right, flags up, referee blew his whistle. So I had to go him for me Did because you? Did yeah, you? I had to go him yeah. and I never ever got anybody in kids' football. Mm. And he'd come over to me and he'd give me the flag. I said, you do it. I picked the flag flag up and launched it. So I'm doing <laughs> it. And then he, I went over to him and shook his hand. But again, it's that winning mentality. I think, but I, th- I think there's a balance though with kids. It is, it is, you are winning. And to win, you the kids, so midweek practice, whatever it may be, they've got to improve. Yep. So you improve to win, you work towards something. But I don't think the key is when you're speaking to them should be about winning. No, it's not. You shouldn't be putting pressure yeah. on them. This is right. We've got to win at all costs. This is how we win. Yeah. You win as a product of coaching them and helping them yeah. and making them better and getting a system or however you play. Yes. And then the product of that is winning. They've got to realise you're trying to win, but it can't be win, 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 putting yeah. pressure on them. Because then that's when you get a Mourinho type effect, yeah. Yeah. which you've been talking about, where he stifles his players. They yeah. play with a fear of failure. But that, that, that balance you're describing there, Fred... How to, to be get... awesome that you've wrote about this, haven't you, with yeah. teenagers? Yeah, and, and thanks, Rob. Yeah. And I you know, I agree with what both of you are saying that you've got to get that balance right. What worries me a bit is occasionally when coaches say we can't put any pressure on kids whatsoever. We need to say it's not about winning at all. And sometimes they play games where they don't even count the score. Oh, I think kids see through that. You know, I mentioned when we were out there before coming on air that I took Evie and Teddy four and six to Richmond Green to play a penalty shootout. Ted launched one past me. He's the younger one. He's two years, well, a year and a half younger than Evie. And, I, and Evie was obviously feeling under pressure now. She has to score to keep up with Ted. And I let it go in. But they saw that I deliberately let it go in. I think if you try and fool children... They're not daft. You, you, they're not daft. And I think, well, some are, but... Well, yeah. yeah. But you, so, I've met a few daftans, <laughs> I tell you. What I've done is I've introduced... So on a Friday, I've given up my time um, and... Another coach on a Friday right, you've, night. You've dragged yourself off the couch. Yeah, on a Friday <laughs> night. Tell you what, it's a big effort. This, <laughs> but, but this is what I do. If I do something, I do it right. And yeah. I and who's watching neighbours if you're not? <laughs> <laughs> so seven o'clock till half eight on a Friday night. I've we put an extra session on for them to get fit. Yeah, to give them the best chance yeah. of performing on a Sunday. And the last two training sessions I've been on a Friday. They've all turned up. They've all enjoyed it. And then in their in their little minds. On a Friday night, it's still fresh. Little minds. No, you don't. And I, you know what I mean. I, is that how you patronise them? No, I don't mean. Can I that. speak to your little minds, boys? No, you know what I mean. The little. Guys, you, they're, but they're buzzing. But they're buzzing, and they're yeah. still it's fresh. A bit rich, minds that, Rob, going, to be honest. You know what I mean. Going into go, going into the weekend football, and do you know what? Yesterday, I've got to say, and this is what it does to you, kids' football. And when you see thirteen kids of all different levels looking back at you, smiling, happy knowing that they can go to school the next day, the, the team we played against are all in the same class, and they, they've they got bragging rights. They've got bragging rights. They can walk into class with their shoulders back. I was so proud. Yeah. If I'd have beaten Liverpool in the Premier League, yesterday was the same feeling. Oh. Shut up. Fred, Fred, <laughs> Fred, <laughs> Fred, honest to God. Shut up. It sounds lovely, Rob, but I'm not believing I'm, it. I am telling you now, I swear, yesterday I was never so proud. When that whistle went and we won, 
honest to God, if I'd have been in the Premier League beating Liverpool, I would have felt the same. Honestly, Fred. But I, Fred, Fred, Fred. Fred. Do you know? I'm telling you. Listen, 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 Fred, honestly. You don't believe me, do you? I I do believe you because the amount of time you you, you talk about it and how often you're on the phone to me talking about the kids. I know it means a huge amount to you, but it's interesting. You know, my kids are a lot younger than yours. You've coached under 13 cricket, you've coached at different age group levels. You've done it, Rob. It's fascinating that you both love coaching. You've talked about being a future England coach. You've talked about going into coaching professional teams. You've got the bug for it. I've got the bug. Yeah, and yesterday, yesterday, Matthew, the bug of of winning. As before, of course, it's about developing the kids. But I'm now, I've come round to the way of Fred because when I see the winning mentality created yesterday and the enjoyment they had from winning, and in that in that bubble they've developed and they've learned you learn you learn a lot more from losing games than winning at times don't you you got wind what <laughs> yeah. you got wind you yeah. keep burping yeah that coffee <laughs> that coffee um <laughs> go on get out Rob um, who's a pat your back <laughs> but honestly grassroots football is and you've loved it you've I've, loved have it. you coached I've absolutely no. loved it why well I I think maybe part of the reason is my kids are too young. You've done it as your kids have come through and cricket and football and all the rest of it. I wonder if I will try it at some point. I've been quite inspired by listening to you two talk about it. I love the idea of having an influence on young people. Um, And what you said earlier about sport being about winning and losing, but also about much more than that, developing them as people, they've now seen what it's like to prepare properly, to do their fitness yeah. training on Friday night yeah. and then to but deliver on the big stage. It's do. a lesson for everything. Yeah. For exams, for doing the job interview. Exactly that. And I think there's tremendous power in it. Fred, can I just ask you, because I, I think you would be a very interesting choice as an England coach. <laughs> interesting. Inter- but in a positive way. In yeah. a positive way. Because I think you do bring something very different to a conventional coach. The way you think about sport, the way he interacts with people. Just, just you know, just to sort of round off a brilliant topic from Rob. If you had to pick out what you learned from being a coach of young people, is there anything that surprised you about what it's like to interact with people? Was it more challenging than you than you expected? What What were the sort of lessons you learned? Well, one of the things I found was every kid is different. Yeah, right. Every kid is different, and you got to speak to kids in different ways. Uh-huh. I, I've got it wrong with my own kids. I've been too hard on them at times and that, but it's 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 all about learning as you go through. Yeah. I struggle with kids who don't listen. Yeah, you know, you, you be chatting to a kid and you, you're trying to help him. It's, it's not for my benefit. Yeah. I, I've done this. It's fine. And you be talking to him, helping him, and they'll just be looking around or not even listen to you, or they, as if to say, "Well, I can't help that kid. Yeah. I yeah. can't help him." I reckon I'd be a better coach. I'm getting a better coach now as my kids are getting older. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, when they're young, I'm not quite sure what to do. Yeah. I've never been around that. I'm used to being surrounded by professionals and coaching professionals. And I think I've treated my kids as young professionals all the way yeah, through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's not always works. Yeah. Well, I think now I've I've also managed to find that balance between enjoyment and work. I think there's a time for both of them at different different times. Mm-hmm. You know, you get a sense of where the kids are at. The one thing I can't have though is not trying. I keep saying it. If you're going to do something, please do it. Give it everything. Otherwise, don't bother. But I, I'd, I'd, I'd like to. I'd like to coach eventually. I really enjoy it. I get a buzz out of it. I really do. So what? what so what have you learned? Yeah. 
I'll ask Fred after this. What have you learned about yourself in the last 12 months? 12 months. Well, to, what, one thing I've definitely learned, this was doing the promo for BBC Sounds with you, as I turned up to this shoot with what I always wear when I do a corporate event, which is a pair of trousers and a blazer. And I thought this looked quite cool. I walked in and Robbie said, you look like a geography teacher. How old are you? I'm 47. He didn't You're wear, 47? Yeah. He didn't wear a suit. Right. It was a mix and match. It was a mix and match. You know what I mean? Like trousers and then a blazer, like a jacket. Yeah. I thought it, I thought it was called Robbie absolutely. Sorry, sorry been. everybody else. So, <laughs> but is, that, is that not a reflection of where you live? What do you mean? No, we all dress like that round though, where what, you are. What, where right? where do you live? Barnes Richmond, Richmond, Richmond. Barnes, <laughs> Richmond. Oh, they all dress like knobs around there. They do, don't they? <laughs> they, all, they all wear a blazer and jeans <laughs> to go and get a gelato. <laughs> Or go and get the quinoa and the coconut water. You say, I'm sorry, Matthew, you're a product of your environment. Whether it's coaching, whether whatever, you're a product of living in Barnes. <laughs> but what have you learned it's about full yourself? Of melts. Okay, no, it's full of absolute so, melts. So the next week, I'm... you surround yourself with melts, you become a melt living in Barnes. <laughs> yeah, Matthew, bloody lovely blazer and trousers. I think you're absolutely dashing. But the next oh, week... Thank you, Rupert. <laughs> I so do you. I Give me the... strength. <laughs> What have you learned about yourself? Tasted, right. So now I wear a suit yeah. without a tie. Yeah, but what have you learned about okay, yourself? Okay, about myself. Or? Okay, that was a, that was a funny one. Well, he's learned. He's a shocking dresser. Yeah. He lives in a shocking place, surrounded <laughs> by absolute head the balls. And now, well, you are Barnes, really? Where are you from, Richard? Where are you from? Reading. You're from Reading. Reading. Yeah. Yeah, you've changed. <laughs> You're a ping pong player from Reading. What's that? A ping pong player from Reading. You go and give one chat with Richard Branston, <laughs> and now look at you living in Barnes. That's harsh. I'm going to stick on that's harsh. In you, your townhouse. You've done good, mate. Yeah. Two BMs on the drive. You've done, mate, you should be proud of living in Barnes. Uh, Richmond, you've, Richmond, Richmond. You've yeah. achieved. You've achieved lots of your life. Be proud. Don't listen to him. Don't listen to him. Go on. Right, I mean, okay, but serious. What have you learned right? yourself? So do you not do you not get fed up right? You know when you sat in your house? Yeah. And I'm sure it's a lovely house thinking, how much have I paid for this? <laughs> how much have I paid for this? Yeah, I'd, get, I'd, I'd hate it. But you live in an amazing house. <clears throat> it's up north. <clears throat> it's it's yeah. a fraction of the price. That's what I'm trying no, to say. No, no, do you like getting ripped off? Do you like going and paying five pounds <laughs> for a gelato? <laughs> get an ice cream van. <laughs> So, so the, the deeper thing I learned. Yeah. Do you remember? Quinoa. <laughs> um, so quinoa. He's on. He's on. Fresh juices from Whole Foods. <laughs> Get to Tesco, Asda. You've changed, ping pong man. Do you remember, like uh, a year ago, it would have been, and this is quite a this is quite a personal one. I said in one of the podcasts, and the reason I mention it again is it's the one thing I've said that's got the biggest response, and I still have communication with people who said they share this particular problem and it's this deep fear of mortality oh no the fact you remember i mentioned it the fact that i'm gonna die we're all gonna die and light and shared this podcast i know, I know. and i sort <laughs> of hesitate hes- yeah. well i was writing down You're going for what- quinoa to death. <laughs> <laughs> when i was writing down last night what i was going to talk about i wondered whether it was a bit too dark but the, the you know dozens and dozens of people got in touch and said they share this particular issue and it's the inevitability, inevitability of it. The fact that there's nothing I can do to change the fact that I'm going to die, How'd you my know? wife's going to die. Well, I mean, how do you know? Unless you live forever, which well, you I never know. Well, okay, it's a, it's a slight possibility, but given for me the almost certainty of my luminosity, 
And you know what? Over the last year, you you guys were very sympathetic about it. And as I say, I got a lot of contact. But I've realised, I think, over the last 12 months, big change for me is that there's nothing. You know, I can read as many books on philosophy or religion or theology or anything else. It's not going to change the fact that I'm going to die. And there's no point dwelling on it the whole time. My wife shares this particular issue and we'd often talk about it. And it's quite a sad thing to talk about it. Now, I think I've realised you've got to live. You've got to live in the teeth of the fact that you're going to Move die. out of Richmond then. Well, no. <laughs> Start living. <laughs> um, and I'll tell you what, I went for dinner with Cathy on, on Friday night and I caught her eye at one point. I'm absolutely fantastic evening, beautiful evening. I caught her eye and I think we're both thinking the same thing at the same time. Isn't it a shame that this is going to end soon for both of us? And that'll be it. <laughs> I hope you're mention, talking about your food. No, we didn't mention it. We didn't mention it. We, you know, life. Your life. Food. Oh, wife. No, you, no, oh, I'm going to finish we, this snake no, in a no, minute. No, I'm going to be gutted. But what, I know, life? No, because that's she shares this. So you this, caught this, your wife's eye. You both started saying... No, we didn't talk No, we didn't talk about it. I caught her eye and I could see that amid the joy that we were having, there was a certain sadness that life has to come to an end. That that is... You know, it does, doesn't it? It Where was you eating? Where was you? It was a Petersham hotel. The Peter Shamor. So hang on, you were in a hotel with your wife. You caught her eye, and you just finished. And your you got that noise. And you're thinking, yeah, we're going to die. It's going to be going to die. We're going to die. Yeah, because because that's what I'm saying. You having dessert? I was having for Arctic but you're still going to die, love. Have it, have it. You're going to die. Get a chocolate fondant. You're going to die. Enjoy yourself, kid. Drink up. You're going to die. I can't believe that is that is bizarre. But think about it. Think about it. If uh, should I have another drink? I think you should. You're gonna die. I, I had the tiramisu. Um, yeah, and I think tiramisu. Yeah, oh, that's good. It was nice. Go on, nice. carry on. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, so I caught her eye, and I knew that we we both knew that we were both thinking the same thing at the same time. But did we talk about it? No. We so how do you know? Did you make, how do you know she was thinking yeah. that? Well, when you married someone, she might have been long. thinking, "Look at state of how he's come tonight in his blazer <laughs> and trousers." <laughs> I bet she was thinking, "Well, there's much more many attractive men in this room." I'm still getting mad around this. You, you caught each other's eye, yeah, and you, you had a look of death on your faces. Well, yeah. Tell you what, it is bizarre. Have you never met anyone who has this particular problem? That that this very visceral sense of the fact that we will one day die. I find it amazing that people don't talk about it all the time. We're having such fun together, this great friendship, the podcast, you know, Mike and Stan. You don't it doesn't ever hit you every now and again that it's gonna end. And when it does end, it's gonna end forever. Is this and there's like, nothing it, you can do about it. Is this is this like the downside of intelligence? <laughs> That you think about things too much. I think. Well, I, I don't I, think. It's, I don't think it's in, it's intelligence. It's just this. I find it. Look, Julian Barnes, a novelist, was on Desert Island Discs once, and he was asked. I think it was Sue Lawler was the host at the time, and he said, "Why have you got such a preoccupation with mortality in your novels?" He said, "What I don't understand is why we're not talking about it all the time. All of us are approaching this cliff edge." Where we are gonna die. There's nothing we can do about it. And by the way, do you know, that's do you know, it for I think that's an absolutely extraordinary thing. That this know, tiny we've got this little tiny sliver of existence. Before we were born, there was an eternity of non existence. When we die, there's gonna be an eternity of non existence. And I am aware of this pretty much all day, every day. So why you wait what you think so about you, dying? So if yeah. you've got this tiny sliver... I'm aware of it. I'm aware of the fact that we're gonna die. Yeah, but you've got this tiny sliver of existence yes. in the grand scheme of things. Exactly. Well, why did you not make most of it? That's, a, that's exactly... Why don't you make the most Fred, of it rather Fred. thinking I'm going to die in Richmond here, a lonely that, man? Fred, 
Fred, that's exactly what I've learned in the last 12 months. There's nothing I can do about it. There's no point being unhappy or sad. or You've got to make the most of every moment. And that's why when I caught my wife's eye and I could see that she was thinking the same thing, we smiled at each other. But yeah, you know, how do you know your wife's because, thinking because, the same because, thing? Because, Rob, we've been married so long. We've been married so long that you can sense... You're telling loop. a ping-pong story. <laughs> she was thinking, youth and me now. <laughs> Well, look, look, OK, that was a deep no, topic. I, Matthew, I, I, look, I know say, there's a lot of people Matthew, out there who think yeah. that that's a morbid thing wow. to bring to the podcast. The only reason I bring it in is there are no, I, dozens of people who have got in touch I, I've, I've, I've talked about it the last time. I've got, I've got a book coming out in a couple of weeks. And one of the things it covers, not so much the, the mortality side, is that how the world began and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, right, you know what yeah. I mean? My theories. Yeah, go on, what is the theory? Well, it's like the Big Bang and all that business and nobody knows how it began. People have theories. Yep. And it, it links a little bit to what you're talking about, the fact that everyone wastes time talking about absolute rubbish. Like we've done it for an hour now. <laughs> but there's plenty, there's plenty of subjects which yeah. are well worth talking about that we don't know, but we don't even bother. So I, 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 I've not got a problem with death. You know, I don't think about death and I don't... I don't it's going to happen. I'm not that bothered about it, to be honest. I'm, it might happen. Um, but... You don't know what happened. No, it will happen. So why 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 do you not think about it? Because you don't even know you don't even know what you're going into. Exactly. You don't know. I know. I don't. I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. But you know exactly. What, if you're going somewhere, you research it. You have a look at it. You think I'm going here on holiday. Yeah. You know, I'm going for two weeks. You pick your hotel. You think that'd be nice. It's got a kids club and it's got nice restaurants. Five or six of them, two pools, and it's only a three hour flight. Yeah. But when you die, there's nothing you can do. You don't even have a look at it, do you? You yeah. think, go on then. Yeah. yeah. Have a bit of that. Yeah. That was just a villa you were staying in. So, so do you think every day then, when you wake up, it's you, it's you, it's you surviving? No, I'm just conscious of the fact that one day it will end, and I'm terribly sad about. You put your halfway through, aren't you now, Matt? More than that. So when you've changed, then. So when you've changed, then. So when you've thought it's no point worrying about it. Yeah. What do you do? Do you spend more money? Do you buy bigger cars? What? I I don't know. I don't know. What do you? Do you, do you treat people for meals? Do you go on better all days? What do you do? I don't know. I think it definitely changes the way that you interact with people. Instead of having that constant feeling of sadness, really, that, that it's that it's finite and, and that it will end, you just sort of say, it has to Have you planned your funeral? No, 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 no. Huh? No. Yeah, that, sounded quite, you... that sounded quite materialistic then, but I didn't mean that in a, in a bad way. And so what you do... It, Bob, it's fine. <laughs> Do you ever think of it? No. No, no. No, no do I think it? No, no. Listen. I think what am I going to look like when I get a bit older? I think, am I going to look like my dad? Or things like that. When, yeah. when, when is it all going to go wrong and I'm yeah. old? Yeah. Am I going to have joint pain? I'm going to struggle getting out of bed? Tell you, first time I've oh, ever... No. Okay, this isn't to do with, with, with mortality. It's more about planning for the future. First time... About two weeks ago, I thought to myself, I'm almost, I'm sort of seven, eight years older than Kathy. I thought I'll probably die before her. I want to make sure she's got as much money as possible to live a great life after I've gone. First time I've had that thought. Yeah. What, what would you, okay, then, either thought then. So if you die before her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is morbid. Would you be happy for her to meet somebody else? Oh, absolutely. Love her too. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> love her too. <laughs> love her too. Love her too. Yeah, but you're new. Probably not. <laughs> I God, I want her to be happy, of course. But I, I, I don't think about. Do you know? Do you know? You talk about getting older and you want to do things, right? And people want to travel and look around the world and go different places. Yeah. I want to go to the moon. Do you? Yeah, I want to space travel. 
No, I do. Like, I want to go out to the moon or Mars or something. Because yeah. I look at the world and I look at... I do all the time when we're looking at all these. And I think, I don't want to go there. I can't be bothered going. Well, what am I going to go there for? Yeah. I want something a bit different. You wouldn't be nervous going to the moon? I'd probably, at the time, if it yeah. happened, sat in that rocket pointing upwards. Yeah. Probably think, well, it's just a good Talk idea. That's somewhere different. I listened to Jimmy Anderson on Five Live. When you no, played, your missus is fed up with you. When you played in um, Kumbala in the jungle, Dan Buller, Dan Buller in Sri Lanka, yeah. and he said that you all the first time you went there, you all stayed in like huts, and you had to had to share with somebody on the floor. No, he said on the, he said on He's the radio. He's oh, lying. Are we making it up? He said you were scared. He's lying. You were scared, and you had to go and sleep with somebody or something like that. It wasn't on the floor. Oh, was it? Oh, <laughs> oh so it's true, is it? Yeah, we're in a different up, one at lads. Andy McGar, I think it was, it was yeah. In the jungle? Well, it was the jungle. You were scared? I, I had a lot of insects in my room. And it was really dark. So I went in with one at lads, yeah. Really? Oh. Yeah. So do you want to do what you've learned over the last 12 months? But you've done it well. well I've learned you're morbid. <laughs> yeah. And I've learned that you bang on about under 30s football. Yeah, no. It's taken over my life. It's, <laughs> yes. taken, it's taken over my life. I don't, I, I, I'm not sure I've learned anything massive. One of, one of the things I have learned is what I, to reaffirm what I like and I don't like. Mm-hmm. It's pretty simple. Yeah. You know, I moved house, I live up north, live where we live. I'm happy. You're more comfortable, aren't you? I'm happy in my own skin, which has taken a long, long time. Um, it's still work in progress, but I think that's always going to be the case because we all have our insecurities and all the things wrong with it. But I realise, you know what, you're all right. Mm. You're all right. I think work-wise, I'm finding more of a balance. I'm finding more of what I want to do and what I don't want to do. Yep. Um, family. Yeah. Kids getting that better, yeah. coaching them better. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, 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 I learned a lot about myself a few years ago, to be honest. And I think, you know, with the stopping drinking and the mental health and all that type of thing, I don't think I've learned anything particularly outstanding or new about myself. I think it's just continuous work in progress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, would you describe yourself as content? Content, probably a bit better than content, to be right. honest. Content sounds like you're... You're making do. Yeah. But it's better than that. Yeah. I've I've not got I, I think I think sometimes you can look around and and I've done this when I was younger, where you're chasing things all the time and you're always thinking about what you can do and you're thinking about the next thing or where you're gonna go or what you wanna do. And you very rarely just sit down and in your underpants and look around and think, you know what? I'm really happy with this yeah. and live in the moment. So for me that's that's probably what I'm doing, living in the moment. Wonderful. I, I, I think, going back, I think what I've learned is that in my life, I think that the people who are with me want me to do well, but I think there's a lot of people who would love to see me fail. Mm. I think that's just life, though, Robin. I think the problem is with that, and I, I've had that as well, coming out of cricket, going into a new career where people take the more conventional route, well, yeah, of course, right. people want you to fall flat on the face, but you don't do it for that reason. Mm. You don't. I, I, I've spent a lot of time trying to prove people wrong, or I've spent a lot of time trying to, you know, do better than everyone else. And it probably goes against what we said before about winning. There is no real winning. I think the winning is doing something you enjoy, surrounding yourself with people that you want to be around, friends, family. Yeah. And I think you're winning by then. I, I can't. You can't control. What some fella sat in his flat, listened to his podcast, was then right about you. Yeah, I think I think, I think you Who survive. Cares? I think you survive work. So basically, if I do a program, whether it be six or six Saturday seven BT, um, the the Friday morning show commentary, I think you survive. Mm. You, do you know what I mean so after the show, if you've survived it, 
you're doing well. So I think you, I don't, you're working to survive yeah. week to week. No. Do you get what I mean? I, I, I think I do, but you know. Do you know what I mean? Well, so what I mean is, so basically you do a cold commentary. Yeah. So do you enjoy that cold commentary at the moment? Yes. Then with the comments, with everybody, you survive to the next one. So do you know what I mean? Because you are always a comment, a word, something from failing. And I think because of, I'm not the brightest, because, you know, my mindset is of is hard work and desire, people want to see me say something wrong. So I believe in my, if I can survive from week to week, I think that's a positive Rob, thing. Rob, I, I, that's, that's what I believe. I mean, this is unsolicited advice. Yeah. I don't think that's the right mindset. And I've been struggling you, a little bit you, recently. Do I have you should, you should go, in, you should go in with joy. You love commentating. You love doing this podcast. You love doing the Friday show. Don't go in thinking, okay, there are people who hate me, and if I get through this one, that's another week to put in the kitty. That's what it's like. Yeah, that's okay. what I think but, at the minute. Yeah, but, Rob, there's so yeah, many people on your side. By the way, you know, I get trolled sometimes by fellow sports journalists. You know, it's just part of the mm. rough and tumble of life. Why is people so horrible? Well, oh. do, you know what you should, do you know what you should watch if you've not watched it already? Cold Feet. No, no, no. <laughs> Have you watched The Greatest Showman? No. What a film oh. that is. Watch The Greatest Showman. It's an Aussie right. actor, isn't it? Who's the, Hugh the, Jackman, his yeah, finest yeah. work ever. Brilliant oh, yeah, film. Yeah, it's on, it's on Netflix, right. I think. Yeah. The music's oh. amazing. Yeah, great, great debate that. Thank you, guys. And I, I promise I won't mention my fear of mortality again on any future podcast. Fascinating, that. Thank you. Somewhere along an eerily dark corridor accessed via a bunker lies a laboratory of excellence. Populated by the brightest, most creative minds in the BBC. Well, you take the set from the box set and the pod from the podcast. I don't get it. Pod set. Pod set? Your favorite podcast from Five Live, all ready to binge listen. Some you'll know, others will be a voyage of audio discovery. Not too far. Tail Enders, Fit and Fearless, Flint Off, Savage and the Ping Pong Guy. Brexit Cast, Beyond Reasonable Doubt, Five Live Pod Sets. Download and subscribe now using your podcast. Topic number two was a rugby league grand final this weekend. Warrington Wolves lost again to Wigan Warriors 12-8. Fourth loss in six years. So let's talk about the psychology of losing. How do you break the cycle? What were our worst losing streaks? And how can you build back into a top mentality? And shall I tell you, can I just throw this in? I know this is a table tennis story. But there was a big table tennis competition in Japan, started in the year 2000. It was called the Super Circuit. It was sponsored by a big kimono retailer, and the prize money was $1 million. For if ping you, pong. If, yeah, if you won the series, it's a one-season series, if you only got a $1 million, but you also got, every time you played a match, a $1,000 bonus. So it was very lucrative. And you'd go out there for chunks of time, like 20 days here, 40 days here. Went there for 40 days. Most of the top players in the world... I'd just turned 30. wasn't quite at my best. And in that 40-day period, I lost 40 straight matches. You didn't win a game? <laughs> didn't win a single match. We played in Kyoto, Tokyo, Fukuoka. We're tra- Excuse me, where? Where? <laughs> Fukuoka. Who <laughs> <laughs> was she? Was she? <laughs> we went from city to city, and I lost again and again and again. I've got to tell you, when you're in a losing streak... Sounds like you were fucking walker useless. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it in, Mike. And, you know, (laughs) it was weird because, you know, you're losing day after day. And 
your confidence begins to feel like it's shredded and you go on the table. Oh, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> and I, could, I couldn't turn it around, guys. I couldn't turn it around. And I like to think of myself as mentally strong. But I noticed that the other players who you're travelling with day by day were looking at me, feeling a bit sorry for me. And that made it even worse. Oh, that's worse. horrible, that. Right, but here's the thing. So I'll come around to what helped me to turn it around when I went out for the next trip. But have either of you ever had a losing streak? So there's people out there who are at work and probably have a couple of bad days and a third bad day, you know, salespeople who are struggling to get... How do you turn it around? But have you guys had this losing streak? I've had a derby. I right. spoke about the podcast before. Right. Worst captain in the Premier League, worst number of points. Anything we we done, we we tried, we couldn't. We went, just weren't good enough. I think that was the fact. We just weren't good enough. 11 and points it's, went it's, down. Did mentally. you think you were good enough? Thought I could be good enough if I was in the right frame of mind, Fred. But I couldn't get. What frame of mind frame. was you in? Well, I was in the frame of mind like I am absolutely useless. I can't win a match. Well, you were. You lost four. By the way, you had, to, you had to meet your own expenses. So you're paying for your hotel and you're paying for your flight. So I'm getting more and more in debt playing a competition that's supposed to be the most lucrative competition in the world. And the other people I'm going for dinner with each night are getting to the top of the league table. Were they buying you dinner? They weren't buying. No, I didn't want them to buy me dinner because that would have made it even worse. So, but I tell you what. I'll throw this in to anyone who's having a losing streak. Is Jimmy White lost six World Snooker Finals. And I interviewed him. And he said to me, you know what? Mental toughness is something you've either got or you haven't got. And you know what? I struggle with it. And he did nothing to try and change the reality of the situation he faced, which is somebody who often choked under pressure. Remember when he twitched on that black to win the World Championships at 17-0 against Stephen Hendrick? A few months later, I interviewed Rory McIlroy. Do you remember when he fell apart at the US Masters? Yeah. And everyone said that's going to be, there's going to be emotional scar tissue there. It was his first opportunity to win a major title. People said, will he ever recover from that mentally? I don't know if you remember, but the very next major competition, he won, he won by a record number of shots. I think it was the US Open at the Congressional. I said, how did you make this turnaround? He said, well, what I did is after losing, I tried to learn the lessons. And he watched a video of what had happened in that final 18 holes at Augusta. And it had been so tense that he'd stopped talking to his caddy. He was so tense, he'd stopped looking at anybody in the crowd. He'd stopped being himself. And that is what caused him to lose his ability to swing the club. He said, right, in the next competition, I'm going to chat to my caddy about the football or about what we were watching on TV last night. In 20 seconds before I'm due to address the ball, I'll get back in the zone and I'll hit. In other words, he found a technique to help him address what had been a major problem for him, which was nerves. I did exactly the same after that, that, those 40 matches. I saw Mark Borden, the psychologist for the cricket team, the mm. England cricket team now. We started thinking about a number of different techniques. I thought really hard about how I could get in the right frame of mind. I used those techniques. And in the next series of 20 matches, I won 13. Massive turnaround. And I, anyone out there who's on a losing streak, I'll just say this. Mental toughness is something you can develop. So long as you don't say to yourself, oh, I'm mentally weak, and you never try to do anything about it. I think that's true of anything in life. These failures can teach you something quite important, and there are tools and techniques that can definitely turn it around. Yeah, I watched my videos back at Derby, and the following week I still kept, kept the ball out of play. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I learned nothing. I think as a collective, we just weren't good enough, and yeah. it was horrible. To be in a losing streak in sport, you, just, you lose all self-worth, you lose all confidence, and it is horrible. It is horrible. That was a collective thing, though, yeah. and inevitably, you know what? you get relegated. You know, which we did, and then you start again. It's a rebuilding process. Yeah. You know, yeah. for me, it was the change was the manager. So that was my. It wasn't my mental attitude. Mm. It was a change of manager for me, which helped me regain my confidence. As I yeah. spoke about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I suppose I re up one, didn't we? I see a couple of times. One was a tour to India, 
2002, I think it might have been. Yeah. Where I was bowling really well. And I only just started bowling, but I was getting wickets and it was going all right. Um, but then batting, I, I couldn't buy a run. I, I, I couldn't buy a run. I, I kept getting out to Anil Cumbly, yeah. who was a leg spinner. He was great, really good. Great player. But they thought it was because I couldn't play him. I couldn't play anyone. And I finally got out to this fella who was dreadful, an off spinner. And I chipped him into mid-wicket and walked off. And I went in the dressing room and put my head in my hands. And they had to get out because I, I sat. then I went out and sat on the steps and started crying. It's like I was crying about me batting. I couldn't score a run. I was embarrassed. I think I scored 25 runs in, I don't know if it was three or five test matches. And then Graham Dilly came to see me, bless him, he's not with us now. He was, one of the, he was the bowling coach. I had a quick chat. And I thought, you know what? Pull yourself together, man. Pull yourself together. And then for me, that's when I, I think that's when I'm at my best. Really? When I hit, bottom, when I hit rock bottom. And then I can start putting myself back together. I don't know if I've mentioned it before. I found being at the top and success sometimes a little bit boring. Yeah. Where I enjoyed the process of being at the bottom and then fighting my way back to the top. You mentioned that in the and previous part. I mean, but the thing about being at the bottom, Fred, for most people, that's the toughest place to find the motivation. It, the is, it is the toughest place, but then the one thing is the challenge of getting out of it was far more, far more rewarding and better than being at the top. And for me, that's when my back's against the wall. That's when I think I'm at my best and I'm at my most dangerous. Why do you think anything. you were batting badly in those tests? Um, a few things. The coach showed me a, a technique which he believed in and tried to change the way in which I batted, right. which didn't work for me. Yeah. I was more through feel yeah. um, and instinct. Yeah. Um, I didn't really want to know when my feet were moving before yeah. the ball or ball yeah. or what I was doing. I just wanted to hit the ball. So I tried that and that went wrong. And then that confused me a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And I didn't know where I was with anything. Yeah. And confidence-wise, obviously, you then start to lose it. You start to play shots which are half-hearted, whether it's attacking or defending. Um, and, I, and I struggled, but I, I got myself out of it. The other time was when I was captain. It was when I went to Australia and got beat 5-0. Which is a really, really strange thing because... We had a team which wasn't particularly good because we got beaten all the warm-up games as well. Yeah. And then when we came to play Australia, they just hammered us. Yeah. And when you're captain and you turn up and it's not like a losing streak in the sense of you think you should be winning, you can't get off this losing streak. Yeah, you turned up and you just know. Good enough. Yeah. You look at their team and you look at them yeah. and you look at ours and you know what form and fitness you're in yourself as a as a captain, and it's same at Derby, you knew. But it, but it, but it isn't yeah. like it's it's just this is what's going to happen. Yeah, and it, it unwraps cricket's a really strange game where because it lasts five days a Test match, probably a day and a half, two days in, you know the outcome. Yeah, and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> and it wasn't a state of mind, and it wasn't you getting on a losing streak, even though it was. It was like, well, this is like under 13s against adults yeah. it's like there's nothing we can do mm. and then when you talk about losing streaks if you turn up and you're playing against someone you think you can compete with or beat then that's different to turning up against someone who's a lot lot better than you yeah. so when you talk about was it Wigan or who, who was it who's got this losing streak in Warren's grand final Warren's in the, in the Super League grand final I think they've lost Four or six or something. But I, I, I don't understand. That. I, I don't understand that because the two teams have got to a final, so they are the two best teams. Right. So whatever's happened previously, why should it matter? 
doesn't even come into it. Right. I'd never turn up, say, against a side looking at the previous, oh, they beat us X amount of times. If you thought you was as good as better or you can compete with them, I, I, I don't really understand some, it. Some people do get a mental block. Certain finals... It feels different. The chemistry is brilliant. Different. The weight of history is on. What are you saying to yourself? So Dilly comes and gives you a pep talk. What's going on in your mind to get yourself in the right place when you walk out to the crease for the next innings? What What is going on mentally for you? Mentally? Well, it's different. You, you walk out, and I, I still walked out the same way in which I did, and got in the middle. And then when, you, when you're in form, all that is going through your head is where you're going to hit the ball. All right. You're just thinking, if I'm going to hit him, you look around, you see all the gaps in the field, you see where all the fielders are, and you're not thinking about surviving, you're not thinking about getting out, all you're thinking about is scoring runs. Does, does the ball, how you people say the ball looks like a bigger? Is that just a saying or is that true? It is, it is a saying to some degree, but sometimes when you're out of nick or out of form, everything seems a little bit faster. You know, when when you're in form, everything seems a little bit slower. So someone can be bowling 90, yeah. 95 yeah. mile an hour, but who cares? You can yeah. bowl as fast as you want, mate. But other times you feel a bit rushed. So I think that's a split second in your decision-making, which then allows you to not have as much time. Yeah. But when you're in form, you go out there and you think, well, yeah, I'm just going to take a younger play this shot. When you're out of form, you look around... And all you see are like fielders, you just think, yeah. oh, my word. By the way, just rewinding, just to make a technical point about sport, when you've got somebody who's an international player who plays on instinct and intuition and you try and get them to start thinking about where their feet should be when they're trying to hit a ball travelling at 90 miles an hour, you can have massive problems in changing the mm. way that they interact with, with, with the guy. I think that's a big risk for coaches to make that kind of a decision. Robbie, just, just to, to round it off, on, on broadcasting, have you ever had like a couple of bad commentaries? And it's got <laughs> no, but I mean... Where it gets into your mind. So you walk into the commentary box, you've got a massive game, you know that hundreds of thousands of people are going to be listening, and you know as you sit down, I'm in the wrong frame of mind here, what you said to me, I think, can you imagine, Fred, how difficult it would be to commentate when in your mind you're thinking one bad word here and I could get the sack. That's not a frame of mind, because surely. Because Fred's be- alluded to it, though, because football's tribal, you can never win in a commentary. I, You can never win in a commentary, whatever you say, because football is so tribal. And if you're honest, which I'm always trying to be, and neutral, that the team that gets beat or the team that, you know, gets hammered, you have to be honest. And if that team is on the losing side, those fans, they will be negative towards you because they think you've got against their side. So... It is difficult. Listen, do I like cold commentary? Sometimes, yeah. Do is it my be all and end all? No, I want to be a presenter. But you know, a losing streak, Matthew, is. It's, as Fred says, sometimes you turn up to games where you just know. And I knew at Derby, nearly every week we were going to get beat because we just weren't good enough and the opposition were better. There's two sides to it, though, as well. Getting beat for me was one in the early part of my career. When I've not prepared, I've not trained, I've not practiced hard enough, or whatever it may be, you come off, you don't perform, you lose, and you go, and it's that. I know it's a bit of a cliche. Looking yourself in the mirror, yeah, and you're disappointed in yourself because you didn't prepare hard enough. Well, yeah, you can't expect it all to happen on the field if you've not backed it yeah, up. Yeah, but then there's times when you've done everything you can, everything you've trained, you've practiced, you've done everything you possibly can, and it's not gone your way. That's when I could nearly accept defeat, yep. but I couldn't. And that's and that's what brings it back to the under thirteens. And that's uh, true. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Because if they, I've said to, I've said to them, prepare. If you prepare 
and you do everything you can to perform on that Sunday because if I'm involved in it, I'm 100%. If you do the same as that and we get beat, I'll, I'll say, listen, well done. Mm. But if you're not prepared, if you haven't gone to bed early, if you've been on Fortnite or FIFA till 12 o'clock at night, if you've not trained, if you've not given everything training, yeah, that reflects you. And if yeah. you, so if you on a Sunday turn up and everything's right to play and to succeed, then I'll hold my hands up. But if you're not, and you're not on the same page as me, then I can't be doing it. Reminds me of that expression, fail to prepare. Prepare to fail. Prepare to fail. I'll turn it in. Haley's <laughs> <laughs> temporary quitting lasts forever. Oh, give me a break. Uh, guys, thank you, and thank you for listening. You can download all the shows we've done to date from the BBC Five Live website and all the usual podcast places. Please use the hashtag Fred Southside to get in touch through the week. If you could leave a review on iTunes and give us a rating, that would be great. We'll be back at the same time next week. But for now, from all of us, goodbye. Flintoff, Savage and the Ping Pong Guy. Thank you for downloading the Flintoff, Savage and the Ping Pong Guy podcast. If you like what you hear, then why not have a look at what else five live podcasts have to offer at bbc.co.uk forward slash five live. Introducing Pocket Cast, the powerful podcasting platform recognized by Wired Magazine as the podcast app every iPhone user needs and by the New York Times as the favorite among podcast experts. Pocket Cast is beautifully designed, easy to use, and helps you quickly discover and enjoy your favorite podcasts with over 700,000 shows to choose from. Download the app, now free, at pocketcast.com.